You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. time ago in a galaxy far 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 away ah what's that all about <laughs> it's almost further than the last galaxy we're in we'll get there we'll get there hello everyone welcome to the one of us net review of ahsoka season one question mark i am tcd witz your jedi master for this uh, review and i am joined by my fellow masters themselves melina hello there Yay, I got to do it. Got it out of my system. You got it. And Neil. Hello. Uh, Well, I'm just going to say this. If you're listening to this right now, you've either watched Ahsoka or you're not going to watch Ahsoka. If you've watched it, cool. If you haven't watched it, you might want to go do that because we're just going to do straight up spoilers here. There's no sense of us beating around the bush. Do or do not. (laughs) Watch the show if you want to watch it. At this point, it's been out for a couple weeks. The series has finished its run. If you were going to watch this, you were going to watch it. So my recommendation is if you love Star Wars, Star Wars is pizza. Even when it's bad, it's still pizza. Watch this series. Uh, Neil, Melina, do you have the same recommendation to people? To paraphrase the character of Marva, I love Star Wars more than anything it could ever do wrong. So, (laughs) yes. I, I would agree. This is in Dave Filoni's quite capable hands possibly one of the best Star Wars characters that we've got to date. We've got the most out of them. Yes, you need to be watching this. All right, there you go. That's your that's your very brief spoilerless review. And now proceeding from here, no holds bar. We can talk about whatever we want. Uh, so Ahsoka, uh, based on your recommendations, you guys liked it. Uh, I, I am curious to get into the good and the bad of this series. Uh, I'll just come up right up front and just say, Seeing these characters in live action brought to life is so fulfilling and so fun. I love Rebels as a series. I love the Clone Wars. Dave Filoni, as the inheritor of George Lucas's storytelling and style of storytelling, is the best man for the job. And what he did for the prequels, with everything he's created around the prequels, has made those three movies that were very much derided at the time beloved classics of Star Wars held at even a higher regard than the originals to certain generations and so what he's doing now is he's beginning the repair job on the sequel trilogy (laughs) and I am very interested to see what we get for the next decade of his storytelling to continue to do the patchwork that would make the sequels as beloved as the other movies. Which is uh, a tall order, but like you said, if there is any man who I believe is up for the job, it is the wonderful Dave Filoni. It is funny that you say that with the Clone Wars, they added so much nuance and depth to the, well, not first three, but the episodes one through three, Mm -hmm. and made them to where now as I watch them, I'm like, I still don't think that they're necessarily great films or in some cases even 
good, but I can't say that I dislike them anymore. Mm -hmm. I have to acknowledge that I have a great time with them, and that is because he did such a beautiful job at fixing so many of the holes that made them problematic in so many ways, which can be said for his creation, Ahsoka Tano herself. Yeah. Someone who has become one of the most beloved Star Wars characters, acclaimed Star Wars characters. Not always the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you could take Ahsoka Tano and the loyalty and the love that the fan base has now is equal to the old EU's love of Mara Jade. Mara Jade doesn't Mm -hmm. exist anymore. She's been erased from canon. Uh, because of the old EU's non-existence. And at the time of her existence, Star Wars fandom was a very niche thing. It wasn't what it is now. And Mara Jade was one of those characters that people freaking loved, that character. And I think Ahsoka has... I think she's surpassed that just because the fandom is so much bigger now. Mm -hmm. Well, and she's got more, quote-unquote, screen time. Mara had zero, but on the page... But, oh, I love that comparison. I hadn't exactly, because it's, it's Thrawn and Mara Jade that leapt out of those three books. And now Thrawn's getting a lot more. And we never know if we'll get Mara. But with Ahsoka, I, I know it wasn't her design, but she really serves as this pivotal character that why Clone Wars does so much fixing and not complete fixing of the prequels for me is... Anakin's slow descent and why and the hubris and failings of the Jedi Council all funnel through Ahsoka's experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's trying to do the same fix or fill in the gap to the sequels. I kind of get the sense of this other galaxy because now we have to change uh, a long time ago in galaxies far, far away (laughs) because we've introduced more than one. (laughs) He's got a sandbox that's adjacent to the sequels i don't know if he's aiming to explain the first order or not we'll have to wait and see but it's i think it's fun to wait and see yeah he's got so much time to fill in there usually star wars is really good about not giving you star dates or exact times it's fluid i think only once in the sequels ever they reference oh we have enough power for 18 hours or something you don't know how much time is between star wars and empire People have a general idea, but we don't know for sure. There's so much wiggle room, mm-hmm. and Filoni has that as well going into... So I don't know if he's aiming for it, but he's certainly looking like he's getting a foundation, and it's going to be fun to see and enjoyable to see, regardless if he's aiming for that or not. Yeah, the way this ends, it very much could be the birth of a new Star Wars galaxy, that these characters never return to the main line, and you have Ahsoka and Sabine and Balin and Shin, those four characters alone, you could start building an entirely new chapter, an entirely new book of existence. I'm not saying I want that. I would love these characters to blend back into the main line, if you will. It it is, like, where is this going to go? It's it's one of the hardest things with prequels is that you know where this is going to go. And when this series ended, for the first time, I audibly said, the first time I thought it was, I wish the sequel trilogy didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much we know is coming, and there's only so much that can be done in between the end of Ahsoka and episode seven. You can only stray so far away, and you still have to get to there in, as far as Star Wars is. It's a big galaxy, and I think there's still room. Because none of these characters, they could all still be alive and thriving 
just not showing up in episode seven. Sure. Episode seven kind of continued that very small incestuous circle that only four <laughs> people or five people did anything in this fucking galaxy. <laughs> no one else did shit. That's the other theory too. Like they could just be doing their own thing adjacent to it, but never cross paths. Well, we've gotten some allusion to the Force Wielder gods and apparently maybe Balin Skull's character played by the late, great oh, Ray Stevenson. Amazing. Uh, maybe that being what he's after. And as we've seen with these gods and, you know, the father, son, and daughter and the world between worlds, I'm sitting here thinking it's very possible that Dave Filoni may find a way to pull 2009 Star Trek with what J.J. Abrams did, where he's like, we're going to do the same thing, but just a little slightly different. Over here. Maybe we can... Yeah. <laughs> Which I would not be opposed to. You talk about the the classic Skywalker storyline. Uh, let, let's talk about some highlights of Ahsoka here. So I, I did have a little bit of a bumping up against the title of this show because it did seem like Sabine was the main character. But when it honed in on Ahsoka, specifically for the episode where Hayden Christensen got to play Clone Wars, Anakin Skywalker. What a highlight of this season to see the two of them over the course of that brief period of time, her journey through the world between worlds and all that. That episode was quite incredible for me to, to just see. I, I If you had told 14-year-old me, one day you won't not only like Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, but you will love seeing him as as Anakin Skywalker. I never would have believed it. I never would have believed it. But watching him show up in this, and, and you can tell that Hayden Christensen did his homework to truly capture the style of Anakin from the cartoon series, I, I was thrilled. I was just overjoyed to see, see them interacting and, and watch that very... Much like the the Force episodes of the Clone Wars, almost this poetic look at what the Force is and your perception of it within the Force. Uh, what was a highlight for you two, if not that? Oh, man. Well, I mean, that was, everything that you're talking about, that was my second uh, favorite episode. It was, for exactly a week, my absolute favorite, because I loved, absolutely loved, seeing Hayden Christensen get to come back and truly feel like for the first time he gets material worthy of him as he embodies this character. Mm -hmm. But also seeing the evolution of Ahsoka through various stages of her life, which if you have not watched Rebels and you're coming into this show, I think that episode is very, very important. It is in a way a cliff notes of their relationship as the two of them went along and how that changed, how how she changed. And it's, I think, a beautiful precursor to who she was when we met her in Clone Wars, to who she is when we're introduced to her in this show, which is a very, very different person. Mm -hmm. She's kind of lost the optimism and the snarkiness and the precociousness that we loved her for in that series. Here, she's world-weary. She is very much disillusioned. She's on a path that in many ways mirrors that of Anakin. And the two of them playing off of each other was such a treat. And it was a beautiful love letter, I think, from Dave Filoni to the fans of both Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, thank you for watching these shows. Mm -hmm. This is for you. That absolutely just, that brought me to tears every time I watched it, which is to say I have lost count <laughs> of how many times that is. For me, it was it was the apex of the season. It was, it was capital G great. Therapy through the Force. <laughs> and he did such a good job with this season of 
watching Clone Wars and Rebels helped, but wasn't mandatory. But potentially sends you back to go check them out if you hadn't experienced it. No one uttered the phrase world between worlds or any of that. Was it in her mind? Was it in the force? Was it somewhere in between? Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And getting to see him, like exactly what both of you said, getting to see him really get to chew on and do something with the character, you know, have good writing, have good directing, have both. And that he did have that vibe where the, the, the little back and forth on the battlefield was right out of friggin' Clone Wars. Yeah. And whether it's the Force or her reminding of what what Anakin is to be, because we see those chilling moments of just the silhouette of Vader mm. here and there. Don't forget. <sighs> don't get lost in the illusion. <laughs> and also, you're, you are... if You may not have thought of it in Clone Wars, but this is a 13-year-old that went to war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea how young Ahsoka was. Really sinking in how young she is. Mm-hmm. He's 19 at this point. He's not even really an adult going into full war. And here's this 13-year-old who is kind of handling it, but questioning, you know, why do we fight? Not that she's crumbling or can't handle it, but just the morals of it and feeling the guilt and responsibility of those she was supposed to lead that some are going to fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a 13-year-old doing this. <laughs> oh, my God. And I have to say, uh, just a little side note, uh, huge shout-out to Rosario Dawson, who, once again, if you've watched Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian, you've seen her in the live-action role, and I think she absolutely kills it there, does it so much here. But... Also, big shout out to uh, Ariana Greenblatt, who plays the younger version of Ahsoka, who I didn't recognize until I went and looked her up. Every person I know, which I definitely can say is probably the two of you, uh, which includes the two of you, we all saw in Barbie earlier this year. And she's young Gamora in Infinity War. I was going to add that too, yeah. She was. She's got the best agents and managers working in the biz right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's great to see her fighting against actual fascists. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Rosario Dawson, uh, it, she campaigned to get this role. She embodied it already in Mandalorian and, and getting to see her again in Book of Boba Fett. And now getting her to, to truly be this role, I don't think we got enough of just how great she can be in this role. She's obviously through this whole thing. She got some great fight scenes, uh, particularly her final fight with Morgan. There's some great stuff here. But I think we can see better. Mm-hmm. I think we're only scraping the surface of just how much Rosario Dawson can can do with this part. Because right. I, there, there was a lot of her just arms crossed and staring, very uh, stoic, very monk-like, and which was fine. I'm not complaining about it. But it was a matter of, like, I hope we, we can go back to the, the optimism and the sort of the, the, the sparking personality now that she's uh, Ahsoka the White after her spirit journey. I think we will because this <laughs> this season is she's still got guilt over walking away from Sabine, which gets yeah. slightly mm-hmm. at least addressed. There's still, you know, we see it in that the episode we talked about of feeling responsible to a certain degree with Anakin, feeling she might walk the same path. Mm-hmm. Especially when he's like, well, everything I'm everything my master was and you are of me. So she's like, is that temptation going to be there for me? We saw it Mandalorian with not wanting to train Grogu because she saw the hints of attachment. You know, she's mm-hmm. still, I'm no Jedi, that great line. But no, she still thinks in the Jedi ways. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. it isn't just the change of wardrobe, but Ahsoka's kind of 
going from the arms cross stance to just more open yes. to the world and worlds and people around her. Yeah, I think that where we meet her at the beginning of this felt completely natural to me. The crossing of the arms, the, the, the stoicism, that was something that initially to me was a big criticism because like you, I felt this is a show entitled Ahsoka and yet it doesn't really feel like it belongs to her. Mm-hmm. And I understand that in many ways, Filoni wanted this to be a natural continuation of Rebels. He even said that this is supposed to feel more or less like a live action fifth season of Rebels, which that would have been completely fine for me because I'm like, a title is a title. But what we got with Ahsoka and her character at the beginning wasn't all that satisfying to me. I'm like, I just feel like I'm not getting enough meat with her. And... It's something that, had I not been a huge fan of the animated series, I would probably not understand the love and fascination with this character, because there's just, she's kind of a blank slate. But as it went along, I realized that's how we're kind of supposed to feel about her. And this is someone who is returning from a place of disillusionment, coming back into a sense of purpose and optimism. And now knowing, having seen this whole thing, that they very much intend for this to continue. I am all right with that. Because I know we are going to see this character, as with the rest of these characters, including Sabine, continue to evolve. Yeah, and Sabine, as I said, felt like the main character in this. She's got the driving plot. She wants to figure out a way to find Ezra, to save Ezra. And, and And she's an even better example of, I'm. I don't under. I don't know what the perception of her as a character was for people who hadn't watched Rebels. I, I know Sabine. I've watched four seasons of her and jumping in at this point, meeting her here, I, I, I wonder what that was like for other people because she's different than the last time we saw her. She's 10 years older. She's, she's got a chip on her shoulder. She's still very rebellious. Uh, but that, that driving motivation of finding Ezra, find Ezra at, at all costs. What is she willing to sacrifice? What is she willing to do? Juxtaposed with the problems that her and Ahsoka had, uh, I think it's balanced rather nice by the end to see like, oh, I, I get where the conflict was between these characters because they're driven so much by, well, Sabine specifically is driven so much by her heart, and that's dangerous mm-hmm. in, when, in, when force is, is, is involved. She's easily manipulated by, I shouldn't say easily, but she's manipulated by Balin to hand over the device, the MacGuffin, the... Uh, the, the treasure planet map to, to get to the next <laughs> galaxy. And, and in fact, one of my one of my main complaints about this entire series is both Sabine and Hera not leaping forward to hug Ezra when they see him finally. Everyone had to play it <laughs> so yes, cool. That's... I'm like, God damn it, just hug. Just be like, oh my God, I can't believe it. That's on my list too of the few shortcomings. The reunions are so underwhelming. Like they haven't seen each other in two weeks. Not eight years of shit. And yeah. hell mm-hmm. to get to each other, but like, oh, hey. Hey, hey, what's going on? Good to see you. Yeah. Shut up and leap into each other's arms. Ezra should have been a thousand questions. Like, she would work yeah. hard to shut him up. And he, he got a few out, and she's like, meh. Let's not talk about that. Well, especially because her and everyone looking to find Ezra, that's not a side quest. That is the crux of this entire season, mm-hmm. is them trying to go and find him. So the idea that they play that so nonchalant, they play it so, so very cool. I'm like, guys, come on. This is where all of the emotion should be right here. It's not a huge complaint. 
My biggest complaint character-wise is also the character of Sabine because I felt like at the beginning they were not doing a great job of making her a very likable person. Yeah. And I understand that, yes, it's not always the point for you to like someone right off the bat, but with the decisions that she makes, put people in, you know, many people include, like, well, not even people, the entire galaxy in grave danger. I want to have a sense of sympathy for what you're doing so that it's not so easy to condemn you and disregard you for these very bad choices that you're making. And because they weren't doing that very well, it was one of those where I was like, all right, guys, I, I don't, like, this is really kind of rubbing me the wrong way. How do we root for this girl? Like, if she was 19, a little more forgiving because of her immaturity and growth. She's 30, okay? So she's acting right. very, at least the actress is 29. So, uh, mm-hmm. But I believe that is how old Sabine's supposed to be. So she's acting very petulant and childlike, and it's it's a little hard to forgive a full adult to be acting this way. You're risking the entire galaxy by trying to do this, uh, which is a great bit of conflict. So it, I'm, I'm yeah. of two minds of like, I want to root for you. You're making it really difficult. But she eventually, uh, by the end of her journey, at least in this season, I, I came around of like, they did good. They, they managed to land this story, at least this part of the story. Everything felt to character, even though, yeah, we've had a time jump with the character. But she was frustrating as all get out of <laughs> headstrong, rebellious, just to be rebellious. I can do this. Really? You just took a lightsaber through the side. You can't do this. <laughs> and yeah, she hands over the key. They don't know if, for sure if Thrawn's on the other end. But also, she now assumes Ahsoka is dead. She got mm-hmm. knocked off the ledge. But I, for me, I think it would have paid off more if, yeah, that reunion would have been just more of like... Crying. Tears. Something, something questions like, have you been saying... Like, she smiles it's more of a smirk little head tilt and they eventually get to a hug like again it felt like oh hey i haven't seen you in a week or two instead of like oh what have i i've been through so much shit to find you yeah let that emotion break through because she can with him Mm -hmm. and they don't need to solidify it's a brother sister or it's like a love relationship they've got a strong bond but in that reunion it's just all like oh cool yeah. No, that that doesn't pay off all no. the crap they've gone through. I nearly died. Then we got here. Uh, I think Ahsoka's dead. We're going to be stranded in this universe. Thrall's our only ticket out. Hey. Yeah. What? Hey, nah, what? In the, in that final episode, they're doing a battle up the stairs. Uh, the three of them, our three heroes, and Sabine does a maneuver, and Ezra looks at her and goes, "God, I missed you." And while a great line, and and Ezra, who this actor did such an incredible job, holy shit, playing this guy, wow. Uh, Iman Esfandi. He literally has the same nose as the cartoon character. This guy was destined to be Ezra. But I digress. That line of, like, God, I missed you, would mean so much more if just the episode before, if they reunited in such a way where that, that love and, and one level of another had been displayed enough uh, it's it's just that's ultimately my biggest complaint of this season is the lack of emotion from at least one or two characters. Yeah, and and I think that it's something that I have heard on social media, people voicing their complaints about very openly. I think that it's all but guaranteed that we'll get a second one. I think that it's something that they will probably improve upon. Mm-hmm. Dave Filoni is very good at taking notes very yeah. clearly. <laughs> 
Uh, guys, can we talk about the best episode in this season and address the big blue elephant in the room? Yes, uh, <laughs> working our way to Thrawn here. Go right ahead. Yeah, like I said, I-, I loved the episode in the World Between Worlds with Ahsoka and and Anakin Skywalker so, so very much. And I thought there's no way that they can top this. Famous last words, because as much as I did think that that was astonishing and just such a love letter to fans. I think that the sixth episode where we are reintroduced to Thrawn, and if you've never seen him animated, this is your introduction to him. Lars Mikkelsen, just crushing it. Yeah, I'm almost (laughs) at a loss for words still. What a chilling, evil bastard. (laughs) It is a a great translation from the page to the animated screen to the live action of this character, and he seems... Almost like the military Mary Sue of he can do no wrong, but it plays out so <laughs> well of that. why you see it <laughs> in how it's executed in all versions of him. And it's it's done. I mean, it's I think for me, the chilling is when he's walking out and they're chanting his name like mm. he's being lifted to <sighs> deity status. Yeah. And yes, everyone was like, oh, are the, are they are they risen night sister risen or what? Turns out they weren't. So they're no, they're just bought in. This dude's mm-hmm. kept them alive in the wilderness for all these years, and he says jump, and they're already in the air. Yeah. That was one of my worst fears with this season, was that they were not going to do enough with Thrawn. That they were going to pull what they did with Cad Bane mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the Book of Boba Fett, where they make a huge deal of introducing him, knowing that the fans are going to go absolutely ballistic when they do, only to just... 86 him pretty much right off the bat. And yeah, they do not introduce him until the sixth episode of an eight episode series. I was very, very concerned about that. I was like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with him? Especially if you are a fan of Rebels, if you're a fan of the original Timothy Zahn novels where that character was first introduced, then you know that this is a brilliant military strategist. Like he is just the epitome of logic he is always 10 steps ahead of everyone and he's he's patient that's what you see you don't see an imperial officers ever is patience just unflappable just this is an acceptable amount of losses bring back our ships like just cold calculate if if spock was a supervillain, like this guy is just wow that's perfect (laughs) lars mickelson is the guy to play this he voiced the character perfectly he just he is this character, and and we better get a second season. I think I think we're all but guaranteed because one of my other few critiques is this season's almost all set up. We yeah. don't start it and is. finish any storyline. It's all set up. Dave, you better have known something that you were getting a second season by doing tons of setup and very little <laughs> conclusion here. Yes. Yeah. Um, I yeah. did think Thrawn's reunion was a tiny underwhelming because I would have expected him to say tell me of the empire tell me of the emperor because he mm. is so invested in that and but it's not the same level as a bean and ezra at all and potentially his plan is on the ride back all right fill me in mm-hmm. but i would have expected morgan to be more like it's yours for the taking like she's yes. anxious to tell him not to be reunited with her master only but it's all yours waiting to be taken like mm-hmm. I, ex- I, some version of that, but no, they're all like, "Hello, hello, yes. let's get to work and leave." <laughs> this, this may be a bit of an apologetic take, but 
maybe the reason that didn't bother me is because we've established that, yeah, he has been working with the Night Sisters, which I shrieked with delight seeing the, the three of them in live action. <laughs> I'm, I just, I love those characters. I love, I love the Night Sisters. To me, I just thought, well, it's very possible that they have been communicating with him about what's been going on this entire time. Like, he's not out of the loop. Sure. Maybe, but I got the impression that they had only, it was one-way communication with Morgan of come here. So I, I didn't, maybe it is that, that again, they don't, we don't have to paint everything out. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. know this when we first see the night sisters, I'm looking at the episode in the cast list. Claudia black is the leader is the main night sister of the three buried under all the robes and makeup. <laughs> when you watch it again, you're like, okay, I hear it. I hear her now. I didn't hear her the first time, the but uh, the great Claudia black in there is one of the night sisters. She's used to being in a far, far, far off galaxy, right? That's what we, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> People, IMDb. <laughs> so I, so much of what the, is good here, so much of what is set forth, uh, Neil, you put it best. This is the last setup without a lot of payoff. I do feel an element of closure in that the main mission was to get Ezra back to the main galaxy, and they did complete that mission. But there's so much left with bated breath. Whatever follows this, if we get a second season which I really hope we do, especially in live action, if we get a second season, that's going to determine just how good or bad this whole thing is. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's much like I always use Matrix Reloaded as the, the prime example of this. You've laid some great track. Can you pull this train into the station? Or are we going to derail here? And and there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good in, in Ahsoka here. Um, and it's going to come down to what do we get next? How we pull this off? Uh, how is this going to fit in the gap between uh, this and seven? I'm very, very interested to see see how all that plays out. And to, to kind of guide us into one last thing I want to discuss here b- before we have to get to our final thoughts, one of the biggest things left hanging here is going to require recasting. Ray Stevenson as Balin was so cool. This guy is not a Sith like we've seen before. He is he, him and Count Dooku would have quite the conversations. Uh, he, he is he is a a dark Jedi. He still believes in the sanctity of the Order or like the beliefs of the Force. But I he, don't miss the Order, but I miss the idea. Yes, yes. And, Such a good description oh, that God. he walked away probably sometime around the time Ahsoka did. Yeah. Yeah. He's this former knight of King Arthur's round table that left at some point and misses parts of it and isn't trying to rebuild Camelot, no. but trying to do something completely new and different. God, I, yeah. I, it's sad that we won't get to see Ray Stevenson continue this role, but we need to see what they're going to do with Balin. Well, put this out there. People, our opinion of Balin unfort- meets an accident and Shin takes over that spot or recast. Recast. Which do you prefer? Recast. Yeah. I'm the same. Recast. Liv Shriver seems to be the internet's leading yeah. go-to. Whoa. That, Thank I, you. Oh, said. my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that. <laughs> that is awesome. No, yeah. I, I've talked to, to you about this. Where, like, who, who will they get to replace him? Because, for me, that's not even a question. They have to. This character's not done. This character clearly has a goal so much of it is still shrouded in mystery in the best way possible. Yeah, I'm absolutely heartbroken that Ray Stevenson is gone for many reasons, not the least of which is that he brought such a beautiful 
subtlety to this character. I mean, yeah. we've seen Ray Stevenson. He is a massive guy. We have seen him beat the shit out of everyone. Punish them. From, yes. You might say that. <laughs> but here, it's like, this is just some of my favorite acting that I've seen from him. It's it's almost like Shakespearean in a way, just that yeah. the understatement of the way he plays it. And yes, the moral code that that character still adheres to, despite the fact that he has severed ties with the Jedi. It's fascinating, and that character's not finished yet. Please recast him. Just get the right person. I think the real shame, I, I, I didn't know him, and celebrity deaths always get, oh, oh my god. I think it's a shame he didn't get to hear how people enjoyed his performance as this character. Yeah. That's, right. That's the shame, I think, of... Because it it's it not anything we've seen in any of the other live action or even animated, like this type. I mean, the different lightsabers, the first and only clue we have. He really cares about Shin. It's not the Sith relationship of they distrust each other to no end. No, he mm-hmm. really cares about Shin. And he, that line of, I trained you to be more. Like, he has aspirations for her. And not that she will strike him down and take his place. Not at all. Right. Right, and right. so, yeah, I I really hope they recast, and we get to and part of that's Filoni, the idea that Filoni's going, but a big chunk was Ray Stevenson embodying. And I say knight because his fighting style seemed to be like the giant, great sword of an old, yeah. you know, armored knight is how he kind of wielded it and fought Ahsoka. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Even their wardrobe, him and Shins, very much remind you of like the Knights Templar. Yes. Well. With with all that said, let's let's move into some final thoughts here, just some overall feelings of the season, and feel free to put a rating on this, obviously, which is what we do here. But uh, yeah, I, I I'm so happy with how this turned out because it it satisfied the itch of the fantasy of Star Wars, whereas Andor satisfied the sci-fi drama element that I want from from my science fiction, and and was happy to see injected into Star Wars. And Mandalorian injected this Western vibe that the original Star Wars trilogy had, specifically New Hope, and uh, and and this it felt like a fantasy movie, and and a lot of that has to do with Balin and Ahsoka specifically, the and the witches. Like it just had such a, a fun sci fantasy that we haven't got enough of in our live action Star Wars. The old wizard of Obi Wan Kenobi in the desert kind of stuff. And it feels very, very much in the tradition of what George Lucas set out to do in A New Hope, and I, and Filoni just is the guy. Even when he when even when he kind of doesn't like lock in onto specific tastes of Star Wars fans, this is a guy who not only loves Star Wars, he has something new to say, and honors what has come before. He he is he is like Balin himself. I, I, I miss what once was, and I and I hope for better. I really enjoyed this, and as I said a little earlier, uh, this is all going to come down to how they land this, <laughs> and I, I hope for the best, as I always do with Star Wars. So uh, I'm going to give this right now an 8 out of 10 blue kyber crystals. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, uh, Melina, how about you go next? Well, if Andor is Ursula Le Guin and The Mandalorian is a Western, then Ahsoka for me is high fantasy. It feels the most like that of any Star Wars uh, property I've seen, at least on the screen. I had such a blast with this. I think we've talked about a lot of our character complaints. I think that those can possibly be brushed over or even remedied with the second season when we get the 
full arc. Well, I guess it just depends on how many seasons they want to do. But here I'm like, yeah, this, having watched the whole thing, I'm like, okay, I get it. This feels like a beginning. And it's a very, very good beginning. And yes, I hope that we do get more Ahsoka in her own show. We get more of a sense of her forward momentum as a character. And yeah, I know that we barely kind of talked about her, but I really love seeing uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Harrison Dula. I thought that she oh, we didn't did even talk about such a oh perfect. Gosh, she yeah. did such a perfect job. But yeah, I mean, it's like when you watch this, you will discover her at your own pace. And I think that if you're a fan of the, of Rebels, then you will be thoroughly satisfied. My only other big complaint is production-wise, I thought the fight choreography here was pretty inconsistent. I thought sometimes it was fantastic, especially when the actress who plays Morgan Elsbeth, who is a very, very uh, lauded stunt coordinator, when she's behind it, they're fantastic. Other times I'm like, yeah, it is Rosario Dawson moving her arms around. <laughs> and it doesn't, it does not look great. It's a little distracting. I've got to say though, the cinematography here is almost at a Lord of the Rings Dune level at some points. It just absolutely dropped my jaw to the ground, as did the score, as did the acting and the costume design. I had an absolute blast with this. I have not been so excited to watch it, a, a Star Wars series week to week since uh, the first season of Andor. And I oh, cannot wait till 2025 <laughs> or 2026 when we <laughs> hopefully get the next, the next chapter. Yeah, I could talk about this all night, but gonna wrap it up here and give this eight and a half out of 10 galaxies far, far away. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot to mention Hera and also David Tennant's Hu Yang. Fantastic. They, they never drop the ball with the droids, do they? <laughs> oh, no. Who must have felt like a kid on Christmas when he got that script and they were like, yeah, you get to say this. Yeah. You know, talk about droids and not talk about the other very cool, well-placed cameo of C-3PO. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. What How do a... you tie back to Leia without having to bring Leia in? Tears. That's how you do it. She's, she sent her butler to go deliver the message <laughs> and cover Hera's ass. That's how she You could see it in Mary Elizabeth Winstead's eyes. She could not hide the childlike glee of standing next to C-3PO. You could just see yeah. it in her eyes. Just like, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even tell her that that was who was going to show up. Oh, yeah. That that, that would be an amazing direction. Like, and then an envoy comes in. She turns and it's freaking C-3PO. <laughs> stay in character, uh, stay in character. <laughs> uh, Neil, Neil uh, go ahead. Final thoughts. So this season is good, and it's got moments of greatness. And I... And, and full agreement of it's how so we took a big breath in how that exhale happens with a season two and a lot of these threads start getting tied off and even expanded on it's the de, it's dependent on how this season will be looked at mm -hmm. so it's not quite done we're there we're halfway there potentially like i said i think some of the reunions are underwhelming this this season avoided emotion just like jedis try to avoid emotion and attachments but it needed it here and there just here and there it needed it and tiny nitpicky stuff like if you're fighting zombie troopers cut arms and legs off you have <laughs> fucking lightsabers but i it's the it's the the threat of they just won't stay down i get it but you're not against it, Disney. You let one beheading happen. It was technically off camera on the <laughs> transition behind the stone. But come on, Ahsoka. You've, you've been in this shit before. Start hacking hands off, legs off, all that. Uh, and when the series is titled Ahsoka, maybe, maybe, just maybe you end the season on Ahsoka. I know the whole get Ezra out was the goal, and they only swapped places. But it's her show. It's her title. 
her name end on her instead. Tiny, tiny nitpicky shit on what is, yes, a very good show. Doesn't make you rely on, oh, new nerds, you had to watch Rebels, you've had to watch Clone Wars. No, but if you hadn't, I hope you go back and watch them now that you mm-hmm. get introduced to them through this. So I'm going to give this 8.5 out of 10 space whale graveyards Ooh. that aren't what you think they are. Space whale. Space whale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you both for joining me on the review here. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for us to reunite in... I don't know, two years to discuss the second season. Ay, ay, ay. But hey, more Star Wars to always look forward to. Skeleton Crew comes out this winter. So there's the next thing to look forward to there. Uh, and for those who have listened, please uh, feel free to head over to the Facebook page to comment on this specifically because if I know anything about Star Wars fans, they have opinions. <laughs> <laughs>